You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at SOH. Church, And while you're there, download our free mobile app. We've got an awesome online community. We've got all of our teachings on there. There's a digital Bible that you can use to follow along even with our study here. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on those notifications. Definitely don't want you to miss anything as we continue through our study of the Gospels. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we are in Matthew chapter 15. If you remember yesterday, we see the Pharisees going back to the same old Pharisee type of stuff, right? Jesus comes over from the, gets off the boat. Immediately he's met by the Pharisees. And there you go. They start accusing him and his disciples of doing things that are unlawful. And uh, Jesus has to answer them, right? And uh, like Jesus does in many cases, uh, Jesus uh, makes them look a little bit silly by pointing out what? Their own hypocrisies. And what were they getting on Jesus and his disciples about? They come up and they ask, why are you all, why are your disciples not washing their hands before they eat their bread? Okay, so we explained that a little bit yesterday. Jesus is not... Uh, walking around with a bunch of uh, unhygienic individuals, although there were some fishermen in the crowd, and uh, you know I've got brothers that are fishermen, so I'll just leave that there. But uh, but what they were referring to was the Pharisees came up with all of these different rules. One of the rules were that, uh, and this was even from generations before these religious leaders at the time was that you had to ceremonially wash your hands before doing a lot of different things. Eating was one of them. And Jesus points out that they are harping on something that is not actually in the word of God, but a man-made tradition. And if you remember what we really pointed out was Jesus said something to the tune of the traditions of men make the word of God null and void. Now we can't, make God's word null and void, but by focusing more on our traditions than the commandments of God, the true commandments of God, and what are the commandments of God in the new covenant? It's what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, right? Love God, love people. Those are our commandments. So if any of our traditions get in the way of that, there's a problem. And we see that these Pharisees would actually exclude people for not following man-made traditions. So Jesus calls them out. He calls them hypocrites. And he makes a statement that we will start off with today. And we're going to go through about 10 verses of scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 15, verse 10 through about verse 20, I believe. So let's jump right in. So after all this happens, right? Verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand 
What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So then this is kind of funny here. The disciples go to him and uh, and, the, and they say, or they ask a question. Verse 12, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? <laughs> I love this. I would love to see Jesus's face. I would love to have been there. Do you know that you offended the Pharisees? Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I know I offended the Pharisees. Sometimes the truth is offensive. And he replies, verse 13, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. We'll get to this in a second. Every plant that my father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. And that's what we see Jesus doing here over and over and over again, chapter by chapter, as he's establishing the truth of the kingdom of God is he is taking what they believed God to be, what they believed to be God's will. And he's plucking it out of the ground. Anything that was man-made he was pulling out. Now, again, I want to say traditions are not bad things. We all have our traditions. There's not a, a person that you come across, a culture that does not have traditions. Traditions can be beautiful because traditions in their own right could be expressions of how we worship God personally. But the day we start saying that somebody else's tradition or your traditions are the only way to please God, that's an issue right? Traditions and truth are not necessarily the same thing. So I'm not talking about going cross religious lines here. It's like, well, okay, well, you can believe, you know, this about Muhammad. You could believe this about Buddha and believe this about Jesus. No, the law of non-contradiction says those two can't contradict one another. But if you say you have to go through some sort of a sacrament and that sacrament is not in the Bible, I'm perfectly fine with the sacrament, to be honest with you. It's an it's an expression. In a lot of ways, water baptism is like that, right? It's an outward expression of an inward belief. But the second that you start mandating certain rituals, that's where you, we get into trouble just like this. I hope you follow what I'm saying. Because including or excluding people based upon man-made tradition is not what God wants. And what Jesus is saying here, when he says every uh, plant that is that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up. He's basically saying, if it's not of God, it's not going to last. And then he says something very powerful as well. He says, leave them, basically leave them alone. They're going to do what they are going to do. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, this is where we get that term from. Both fall into a pit. So he refers to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of, at that time as the blind leading the blind. And understand, Jesus is not celebrating this fact that through religious zealousness, if that's a word, um, people are being led away to a works-based 
All right. Remember, they're in a time where there's a, a long period of time where things are pretty dead. Plenty of temple worship, plenty of animal sacrifice, plenty of religious rituals. But the hearts of people were not really turned toward God. And that's what we see happening here. We see from John the Baptist being in the desert, telling people, repent, what gets your heart right? To Jesus, sowing the seeds of the kingdom, showing how much God loves, period. Loves the world, loves everybody. From not turning away the Gentiles, Jesus is shifting their mindset, which we have studied at length over the last couple of months. But he says, the blind lead the blind. And I want to point out here, too, that, of course, Jesus doesn't want anyone to fall, but he puts a lot of responsibility on the Pharisees and the leaders. But when you read that, you have to understand that there is also a great responsibility on the follower, on the hearer. And he's showing them that overall legalism collapses on itself because it forces us to be hypocrites and break our own rules. And it also points out how imperfect we are. But I, I do want to hit on that, that it's not just the responsibility of the leader. Now, when you step out to teach the word or to lead somebody in anything, yes, there's great responsibility. But understand, it is each of our responsibility to understand the word. He has given us his word, every single one of us individually. So you may or may not have good teachers in your life, but you have the best teacher in your life. <laughs> Follow what I'm saying. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it is your and my responsibility to pursue God, not just to hear about him, but to pursue him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. So I want to point that out because there is a strong responsibility of the follower. And so often we want to blame external circumstances. We blame other people for our behaviors. We blame our financial situations, how we were brought up, where we live, predispositions. What do I mean by predispositions? I say, well, my father was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. I guess I'll be an alcoholic. And I'm not saying you can't be predisposed with certain feelings. But you are not predestined to the to those things. I'm going to say that again without stuttering. You may be born predisposed to something, but you are not born predestined to that thing. You may have grown up a certain way, but you have the power to say it stops with me. I'm going to make the change. And it's when we begin to hold ourselves accountable and take personal responsibility that we really can start making the changes in our life. Let's continue with our last few minutes here. So he says the blind lead the blind and basically they both fall into the pit. When leaders lead people in the wrong direction and the people are not educated enough 
or strong enough on their own to realize what is true and what is not, loss happens. So we're going to continue with verse 15 here. And then Peter says, explain the parable to us. Now, what he's talking about, he's asking about that first parable. That, and it's not necessarily a parable, but it is uh, an example. It says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. The, the disciples were not understanding this. So don't give yourself a hard time if you don't understand things on the first go around. The disciples did this over and over and over again. And Jesus says, are you so still so dull? That's one translation. An, a little bit nicer translation that I've read is, don't you have, you still don't have understanding? That sounds a little bit better. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Remember a couple uh, chapters ago, Jesus tells the the, uh, Pharisees that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. And here's the kicker here, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Again, Jesus pointing out that the defiling comes from within. And that's what we begin to realize when we pursue God is that It's not so much about the external circumstances. It's really about being changed from the inside out. It's about our hearts. And even when we change some of our external circumstances, we change some of our behaviors. Again, just abstaining from committing sin is not, it's not like we talked about the other day, the end all be all. Are you not sinning because. You want to pursue God with all your heart, or are you not sinning because you don't want the consequence of that sin? That's something, remember, we should be looking at. We should always be checking our heart. Because as Jesus points out here, murder doesn't start with the gun or the knife. Murder starts with hate in the heart. Adultery, sexual immorality, doesn't start with the act itself. It starts with something off on the inside. Theft, right? Doesn't start when you go to Target and put that thing in your pocket, try to walk out the front door. It starts with greed, with a lack of gratitude thinking that you don't have enough and God hasn't provided for you. Understand, these are all, I hope you get what I'm saying. These are all heart conditions. Now you may say, yeah, I'm in a bad place, you know. I pulled a couple other scriptures here. And when we really evaluate our heart, what happens is, is we've got to confront the things in our life that are holding us back. We got to stop making excuses as, as if somebody else is causing us to do something. Now, somebody can provoke you, but understand that they are provoking something that's already inside of you. Jesus, although, yeah, he called people hypocrites, he called people out, 
He never sinned. He never crossed that line. He couldn't be provoked into sin. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. How else do you care for your heart? You meditate on his word. Psalm 119.11, the psalmist writes, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You're maybe out there saying, well, (laughs) too late. I've already committed it. I've already done it a bunch of times. My heart's already pretty corrupt. I tell you, that's okay. Because if it was up to you, maybe we'd have a problem. But it's not just up to you. In Ezekiel, that prophet prophesied to the nation of Israel, and he said, rid yourselves of all offenses and get a new heart and a new spirit. You say, well, how do I do that? You know, last time I checked, Amazon is not selling new hearts and new spirits, right? And of course, when we talk about a new heart, we're not talking about that uh, muscle in your chest that pumps blood throughout your body. We're talking about your innermost person. And I just, I close out with this today. If you remember David, when he made that horrible, horrible mistake with Bathsheba. On, as he stood on that rooftop and looked on her and then ended up having her husband killed. And when he's going through that lamenting in Psalm, in Psalm 51, David says, create in me a clean heart and renew a spirit within me. When David had committed such an atrocity, the only place he could go to get cleansed was to God. And he said, create in me a clean heart and renew a spirit within me. And God did. Was David perfect? Heck no. Did he live a perfect life after that? Heck no. But God did an amazing thing through him. God birthed Jesus in his bloodline. And we go just person after person throughout history. Those who are willing to repent. Those who are willing to say, God, I jacked up. I want to turn and move in the other direction. Everybody who does that, everyone who does that will never never be disappointed. God will change you from the inside out. So my call to action as we head into our weekend is let's not look at the external circumstances to try to change us, other people, our lives. Let's not think that everything that's going on is, is, is the be all end all for us. Look, God's looking to change you from the inside out. He's the only one that can do it. My brother, Mike Miano, who's on the live stream right now, pastor of locally with us says, amen, the beauty of repentance. Yes, repentance is beautiful. It's not a scary word. It's a word that says, I'm not going in the right direction. I need to turn and go another way. And God, who gives us his spirit, 
who is the helper, who is the guide, will guide us in all things. If you trust in him, you won't be disappointed. But there's going to come a time in each of our lives where we have to really confront what's on the inside and allow God in. And when we allow God in to work in and through us, when we allow his light to shine even on the darkest places that are inside of us, it's exactly what happens. He changes us from the inside out. So make that decision today. Say, God, I'm going in the wrong direction. I need you to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' mighty name. That's it. I don't have a long prayer for you today. Sometimes it is just, God, I need your help. A few verses ago, when Peter was sinking, he walked out and he started paying attention to the waves and the water. It says he began to sink. And what did he say? He said, Lord, save me. Three of the most beautiful words that God will never ignore. So just tell him, ask him today. Say, Lord, save me. Say, change me from the inside out. In the name of Jesus. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. Download the Sound of Heaven app so you can stay up to date on everything. And you're listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together, what, for 1% of our day? And then we head out to do something amazing with the rest for Christ's sake. Love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome day.